This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Please be aware that some of the content discussed may be triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Reach Out, the podcast, where we are dedicated to ending sexual violence through advocacy, counseling, education, and more. This is the official podcast of Reach Counseling, located in Northeast Wisconsin. You will learn more about the services we provide and hear from members of our team, sexual assault survivors, and the people who support them. We are so glad you're joining us today and would love to connect with you further. You can find out more about us by going to reachcounseling.com. Hello, my name is Jessica and I am thrilled to be hosting the pilot season of Reach Out, the podcast. Our first episode will feature Kyleen Spanbauer, volunteer coordinator and community outreach manager at Reach Counseling. As Miss Wisconsin 2022, Kyleen's community service initiative was No Means No, Sexual Assault Education. She recently co-emceed Reach's Utopia fundraiser event, which was a wonderful success. When I interviewed her at the start of the summer, she was wrapping up her position as a prevention educator prior to stepping into her current role. Since doing this interview, Reach has moved into providing services for Calumet and Outagamie counties, in addition to Winnebago County, which they have always served. I enjoyed my time speaking with Kyleen, and I think you will gain a lot from what she has to say. From baton twirling, to speaking in schools about sexual assault education, to developing an internship program and recruiting incredible volunteers. Let's dive in. Thank you, Kyleen, for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So you've been with Reach for how long? A little under a year. It, it feels like a really long time, but only a few months since September. So okay. I guess coming up on a year pretty soon, and it's very exciting. I've definitely loved my time at Reach so far. Awesome. And how did you get involved in Reach? Truthfully, I was just looking for jobs in the area. I went to school at the University of Iowa, and I had moved back home and started looking for jobs in Nina, Menasha, Oshkosh. I'm from the Fond du Lac, Oshkosh area, and I saw originally the prevention education position was open for the prevention education team where you go into the schools and you give presentations on safe and unsafe actions, healthy and unhealthy relationships, and different behaviors, protective behaviors. And I saw that, and I'm really bizarre in the fact that I love public speaking, and that stood out to me, and I was like, hmm, it would be awesome to do public speaking for my job. And so that was what kind of led me to reach, and I really just loved being here ever since then. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your background. So you, you grew up in this area, but then you went to school in Iowa? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I grew up in between Fond du Lac and Oshkosh. I went to school in Fond du Lac, but I like to say I also grew up in Oshkosh because I grew up at a baton twirling studio, Julie's Touch of Silver in Oshkosh, where I learned how to be a baton twirler, which is also kind of like a weird, random fun fact. Not a lot of people are <laughs> baton twirlers, I've learned. Uh, but that is what actually led me to the University of Iowa. I always wanted to be a featured baton twirler at a University, and I auditioned to become the University of Iowa Golden Girl Feature Baton Twirler, and I earned the position. And so I was there for five years going to school uh, on a scholarship to be the feature twirler with the marching band there. And like I said, I, I just knew I wanted to move back home to Wisconsin. My whole family's here. I've always seen Wisconsin as my home. So when I was done with school there, I moved back here, and now I'm at Reach. That's awesome. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your journey uh, as Miss Wisconsin yes. which is coming to a close soon yes your platform was sexual assault awareness correct yes or something in that 
genre. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I originally competed in the Miss America program when I was in high school. They have a teen program. And the first year I competed, I became Miss Wisconsin's teen and got like a crash course in pageantry, right? <laughs> Learned a lot of things that year. Uh, but I knew I would want to compete again and try to become Miss Wisconsin. So this past summer, or last summer, I guess, in June, I competed for Miss Wisconsin and became first runner-up to my friend Grace. And Grace became Miss America in December. And so as her first runner-up, the role was passed to me to become Miss Wisconsin. And my community service initiative I created um, is No Means No Sexual Assault Education. So essentially doing the work that we are doing here at REACH, right? Going into the schools, giving presentations on sexual assault education and talking about those protective behaviors with younger kids. Um, and then also just getting out in the community and talking about REACH's services, different sexual assault crisis centers in Wisconsin, talking about how you know this can feel like an uncomfortable topic, but it doesn't always have to be, and we can be really empowered through the conversations we have about sexual assault. And I've really found that that has been the majority of my experiences. I mean, actually, pretty much like all of them. <laughs> Every time I go to an appearance, I talk about my initiative just a little bit, and I always have someone that comes up to me and we have a whole conversation about sexual assault or sexual violence in the community and trying to bring more awareness to this really hard topic. Wow, that is amazing. Tell me a little bit about, like, when you first got involved in REACH, um, aside from the Miss America stuff, what was the experience like for you? Were you nervous about it? Were you excited? Combination of both? Probably more excited than anything. Like I said, I'm a weirdo. I like doing public <laughs> speaking. That is not the norm. I feel like I know very few people that also enjoy that. Um, I guess I was nervous a little bit too, though, because it is not the easiest thing to talk about and you want to make sure you're doing it in a way that doesn't offend or upset people especially maybe even triggering survivors right and so you want to do it almost in a light-hearted way but also you know it's a serious topic so trying to keep some of the seriousness of that in and then also again making it light-hearted sometimes putting in a joke here or there um, you know just something to keep the mood light uh, so I was kind of nervous actually at first trying to find that balance and mm. figure out what works for me but uh, Haley Nabafeld, the prevention education manager, her and I started around the same time. And so we really were able to figure that out together and learn a lot of things from each other because we both are very different people, have different strengths and weaknesses. And so we were able to kind of use those with each other to help each other figure out the best way to present this information. You have recently moved into a new position, or you will have by the time this airs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about uh, that new position and what that's going to entail. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're still figuring out all the little details, right, because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but it's going to entail, you know, outreach coordination, the volunteer program, and creating an internship program as well. Um, I'm very excited to do, you know, all of those things. Uh, I love talking to people. I love doing outreach. And so it'll be fun to take over that position and really try to expand our outreach program even more. Reach is always eager to get out in the community, talk about our services and the things that we offer, and also make connections with other organizations in the community. So I'm really excited to do that. Um, you know, maybe be able to share community presentations with different organizations as well. That's really a, a goal that I have for the future of our program. And then also our volunteer program is huge. Right. right. We're always looking for volunteers, um, always willing to take so many people in um, in our volunteer program and give, you know, wonderful opportunities for that as well. Uh, so I'm really excited to take that over. Um, we have a 24-7 hotline, and so a lot of our volunteers will do the hotline work. Um, so answering different crisis calls, um, answering 
calls at the hospital for a sexual assault nurse exam and we go through really in-depth training to explain how to you know respond in all of those situations and how to make it comfortable and truthfully it's kind of fun you know trying to go to the hospital or you're in this crisis call and just trying to get to know other people and trying to help comfort them right and sharing that experience with them I've actually found it to be very enjoyable mm. so I'm really excited to try to promote that to different volunteers and also develop those relationships with the volunteers we currently have and then the internship program. We have a couple interns coming in from UW Oshkosh, and we're hoping to partner with Lawrence University and maybe Fox Valley Tech and UW Green Bay in the future. So lots That's of exciting. exciting things in store. So I'm really, really looking forward to taking over that position soon. So what are you looking for in interns? Like what qualities? Or, yeah, yeah, just someone that's hardworking, someone that is eager to learn and just open to learning new things because I feel like I've learned so much being here at Reach, even in under a year. And so I want, you know, our interns to be open to that as well and to gain so much knowledge from this experience. And then also, you know, bring some of their own qualities to the table, right? Yeah. We're always looking for someone that, you know, is looking to highlight the strengths that they already have and learn new skills and um, definitely, you know, align with our DEI values as well. I think that's really important. We always talk about those in our intern interviews and say, you know, have you had any experiences um, in diversity, equity, inclusion so far? You know, supporting any groups like that, being involved in, in any of, you know, diverse or inclusive groups. Um, would you be open to learning more about it at the very least? And it's really interesting to see how many people either already have those experiences or really eager to talk about those things with us and get involved in that work as well. That's awesome. That's really exciting. So how long do the internships last? Are they paid, unpaid, uh, credits? Yeah, what, usually unpaid interns, but um, they get, you know, whatever credits they need for whatever major they're in. I mean, typically we find it's like social work. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, women studies, um, women and gender studies, occasionally psychology, you know, different things like that. Um, unpaid internship, but definitely offering those credit hours. Uh, we do the letters of recommendation, all the things right. we get in contact with the professors and talk about any, you know, coursework that can align with, you know, what we're doing in our internship program. Yeah, all those things. And, and they might even get a job out of it, right? Right, exactly. Because we've hired That's, several interns. We have hired yeah. several interns. Yeah. And it typically is um, a fall and spring semester internship. Okay, yeah. all right, sweet. Yeah. So let's back up and talk about the volunteer program a little bit. What would you say is the greatest strength of the volunteers that you currently work with? Ooh, I really like that question. I think... Uh, well, our all volunteers are incredible, so that's also kind of hard because it's like, <laughs> what is the greatest strength when there's so many? But I think one thing that they all share, because they have so many different strengths, right? Um, but one thing they all really share is that they all have compassion mm. and empathy for other people. And I think that's something that's such a necessity when you are in this volunteer role because, you know, you're working directly with survivors, um, offering them that compassion, that comfort, showing that you care for them, showing that you're, you side with them, that you believe them, um, that can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And um, Haley, like I said before, our prevention education manager, her and I went to a sh conference in Chicago in April during Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and we heard from so many survivors there that spoke up saying, you know, my advocate mm. was the one that believed me. My advocate was the one that encouraged me to, you know, pursue legal justice or encouraged me to have personal justice as well, to feel empowered myself. Um, and our volunteer advocates 
are in that position directly. So right. having that compassion and empathy is such a necessity, and I think every single one of our volunteers has it, and that is definitely, I think, our greatest strength in general here at REACH. What would you say is the biggest need that you have, a volunteer position that you struggle to fill? Hmm. I think just in general, we're always looking for more volunteers. We're always looking to expand our team because it's better to have more than less, right? Right, right. <laughs> That's the goal, to have just as many people as we can involved in this line of work and helping you know, us pursue our mission, vision, and values. So definitely, um, probably for that hotline role, right? Mm -hmm. We have some volunteers that help with office work around the office, and that is super helpful, but we primarily need that hotline position filled uh, just because um, occasionally our full-time staff, our advocates, uh, advocacy team, excuse me, um, will be on call as well to pick up a couple shifts because we don't want to have our volunteers feel like they need to take tons of shifts throughout the month. They usually take one to two, maybe three. Okay. Um, so sometimes we occasionally fill in some of those um, – you know, openings in our hotline because we want to make sure we're, you know, serving the purpose of a hotline and being there 24-7. Exactly. Um, so yeah. always looking for more volunteers to fill that hotline position. Um, and it can seem like a very intimidating thing. But like I said before, we have really in-depth training. We offer a lot of experiences and opportunities for shadowing so that you feel fully comfortable before you start in that role. And I've heard from volunteers that, you know, once you get into it, it becomes a very fulfilling thing. And it's not something that, you know, is super nerve wracking or something that you're really like scared about all the time. It's just mm. another thing that you do. Okay. Um, and we've had volunteers in the past that we've written letters of recommendation for if they're grad students or in, in college and hoping to get into grad school or hoping to graduate and get a different job. There's all kinds of things that we can provide in the volunteer program. That's awesome. When somebody connects with you about potentially volunteering for the hotline. Yes. Um, what... What's kind of the timeline with training them? Or I, I'm sure no two people are the same, but if you have like an ideal timeline or what can people expect for training and then hitting the ground running with that right. training? I mean, usually there's that initial meeting, you know, meeting each other, seeing this is a good fit and talking about the position itself, maybe going over, you know, what that position specifically entails. Um, if the person feels comfortable enough getting right into, you know, talking about the handbook, some of the duties, um, you know, signing a little bit of paperwork, things like that. Um, all those things. And then, you know, I want to say, because I actually haven't trained anybody yet. I'm not officially the volunteer yeah, yeah, coordinator yeah. yet. Um, but from my understanding, it would be about like, you know, a couple weeks to a month of okay. not necessarily like tons of training, but just like going through, you know, one to two, maybe three trainings, um, shadowing the sane nurses um, at Aurora or at Theta Care, which are the hospitals that we serve. Um, and then also, you know, getting ready to shadow other volunteers on the calendar or other full-time staff advocates on the calendar. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to say by the time, you know, we even had some full-time staff, they took a month or two to train just so they felt really comfortable before they officially did the hotline themselves. And that was perfectly fine. So I would say, you know, a month, maybe two months, if we wanted to feel really comfortable would be a, a pretty solid timeline. Okay. And you said like you kind of encourage people to do maybe one or two days per month yes. for volunteering so you don't burn them out and right one or, or two of those shifts because they're typically set up in um eight hour or 12 hour shifts okay um so you know not like a full 24 hour shift either where it's a super long <laughs> set period of time and there's always like a backup on call staff so in case we get multiple oh, okay. calls that come in or in case you know one person is like oh i have to i don't get off work for another hour or two you know will the backup on call be able to cover my shift yeah that's perfectly fine i mean we're very flexible with our uh, on-call calendar because we know that our volunteers give us so much so we're willing to you know really extend a lot of grace there and be like you know what works for you what works for your schedule we will make it work for you right that's great are there any requirements to who can volunteer just got to be over 18 
Over 18. Yeah, okay. as long as you're over 18 and you're willing to show compassion to our survivors and, you know, willing to learn new things and be dedicated to the role, yeah. As more of a comfort thing, you know, when you're at those exams in the hospital, you tip, there's usually like a waiting area and so right. you wait with the survivor and you, you comfort them and the nurse is there to pretty much lead the whole thing. You're just an additional support person and right. checking in with them, you know, saying, do you need food? Do you need water? Would you like a blanket? Do, do we want some fidgets? You know, what do you need kind of thing? And then when they go into the actual exam, it's in a different room and so you can offer to go with them. In your previous position, your current one, as of now when we're recording, <laughs> what is your, like, the highlight of that position for you? Definitely, just like being there, I don't know, you don't want to call it like the front lines of working because it, it makes it sound like it, we're on like a battlefield or something, but like being there, you know, getting that firsthand experience with the kids or the teenagers that you're teaching all this information to and having those conversations with. I have been pleasantly surprised that kids and teenagers want to talk about this stuff. I mean, right. you know, you always get a couple middle schoolers that are feeling a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, sex is a little bit new for them. Right. But once you get into that conversation, kids start asking questions. And they're mm. very, I mean, I've always been blown away by in, in how intelligent kids are. They're very intelligent questions. Yeah. They really make me think sometimes. And sometimes I'm like, do I did I really give the right answer there, right? Because they're just, I don't know, they're really into this topic because I think they know how relevant it is mm. that even though it's uncomfortable and difficult to talk about that they might know somebody it's happened to, it might have already happened to them. Um, or maybe, you know, they're just like, wow, this is, you know, something that I could maybe face in the future. I want to make sure I'm, you know, going to be able to protect myself and know as much about this as possible. So things like that, that's like my, definitely my reward in doing those yeah. presentations. And it, the hours can get long, you know, sometimes we got to drive a half hour to give a presentation, you know, 45 minutes to give a presentation, and then we're there all day. Right. And it can be really tiring saying yeah. the same thing over and over again to a bunch of different kids and teenagers. But having those moments of like, wow, they, they're really getting this, or wow, yeah. they're really into this, is really rewarding and makes me feel powerful too yeah. in the material that we're giving to the schools and to the students in the schools. Yeah. I come from an educational background and I, I would definitely agree with everything you're saying. Mm -hmm. And at one thing I noticed as a teacher is kids do want that safe space to be able to talk about real things. Yeah. And I think sometimes as adults, we're like, oh, like, let's not talk, you know, but the fact that you guys are using this really great curriculum and you're going in and you're creating that safe opportunity to discuss and to for them to be able to ask questions mm -hmm. that they've probably been wondering about or maybe didn't even know they had right. is really great. Um, and it empowers them and it gives them autonomy of their body and like yep. all of these things. Cause as a society, so often we treat kids like they're not human beings with rights. Right. And I, I love that you guys are really giving them that power by, by educating and, and, and doing it in a way that's not, you know, that's not going to be super like triggering hopefully and things like that right. with your training that you have. What is the general like reception of the schools when you come in? Like the staff. They're excited to have yeah. us. They're very eager to have us. They're like, I, you know, I've been telling my kids about this all week or they're, they're like, oh, Reach is here. They do a really great job. You know, the way that they introduce us, you can just tell that they really, I mean, I like to think they really appreciate that they can I would use imagine our so because I know school counselors are completely overwhelmed. They have yeah. too much of a workload as mm -hmm. is. And so when you're taking this piece to kind of be that catalyst for them, I imagine they would. Be appreciative oh, of yeah. that. Yeah. And the counselors, I really do think that we have a really great relationship with all the counselors that we serve in Winnebago County. And we're really eager to start serving in Outagamie and Calumet and especially get into the Appleton Area School District because the school district is huge. Yeah. And we've had so many 
uh, you know, teachers and counselors say to us, we really are having problems with this. We're really excited for you guys to get in here. You know, how soon can we get you in here? And right. uh, we've decided that the fall is really what we're shooting for mm -hmm. uh, when the next school year starts. But yeah, I think they definitely appreciate the services that we provide. And I really like before how you mentioned that we create that safe space for students to talk about things and really talk about that autonomy as well of like your body is your own. You decide what you want to do with it. Right. Um, and it's up to us, too, to also take care of our bodies and make sure we're putting ourselves in healthy situations. And so creating that safe space and having that safe conversation, I really do think our teachers and the students appreciate that we're having that conversation. Yeah. What is the most common question that you get asked? Or like top three. I don't know. Yeah. Like questions no, that's, that you no, get that's asked. Because I feel like it's different for each By elementary group. students. Oh, yeah. Clarify. I was going to say, because <laughs> high school is very different from middle school and middle school is very different from elementary. Yes. But my favorite for elementary, oh my God, it's actually very funny. They'll usually be like, because we talk about the protect yourself rule. So we'll talk right. about like safe and unsafe touches and how unsafe touches are to private parts of our body. And the private right. parts of our body are usually covered by our swimsuit areas in the front and the back. So we really make it clear for them, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when they're really little because they don't always understand those things when they're in kindergarten or first grade. But usually we always get the question of, well, have you ever been touched on private parts of your body? Oh, which gosh, you know, gotcha, like gotcha. I am an adult, like I right. am a twenty-four-year-old yeah. young woman, and yeah. I am I have a fiance, like I'm in a relationship, and <laughs> right. so we're not going to go down that road. But um, yeah. you know, I'm in that moment. I'm like, well, I don't really want to lie to these kids, but I am in a very healthy relationship, and right. so typically, like I will say, no one has given me an unsafe touch. Okay. Or if somebody gave me an unsafe touch, I will tell a trusted adult. Because nice. those are things we talk about. So answering the question, but also kind of not. <laughs> redirecting. Redirecting, the, yeah. essentially. Um, yeah. That definitely is the favorite. And I think all of us prevention educators, because we have a team of five uh, staff, four full-time, one part-time, and then two interns. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have, I think almost all of us have gotten that question oh, before. And we always laugh a little bit and we'll message in our group chat and say, oh, guess I got the question again today. <laughs> um, we just laugh a little bit about it. Because, you know, you want to teach kids that at that age, you know, it's not appropriate to be giving those private body part touches. Right. But as you become an adult, you know, they learn that there are healthy ways to do those things. And that's something that we talk to the high school students about too. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what do you, what's the question at the high the school The question with the high that, school yeah. students, um... I feel like their questions really vary, and they're usually very um, intellectual. Mm -hmm. um, off the top of my head, I don't know if there's really, like, one common theme. Maybe with the middle schoolers, they tend to ask more questions about, like, you know, they always get a little more squirrely if we talk about sexual contact or sexual intercourse. Because we do, for the middle and high schools, we do start talking about the actual term sexual assault, consent, sexual right. contact, sexual intercourse, like, really defining it. Because it's important it. for it them is. to know. And really defining yeah. it very clearly. And usually they do that when they're in their health classes, Um, you know, when they're going through whatever sex ed program that they have or curriculum that they're going through. Um, and so usually they'll ask questions maybe about, like, like body parts, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and, of course, some of the kids laugh a little bit, but we, you know, we're – we're all very mature on the prevention ed team. I mean, we can answer these questions with a straight face. And I think the kids appreciate that too, that we don't just blow off their questions or laugh at them either, that we really take them in, consider them, take them seriously and answer them in the best way possible. Yeah. How do you handle, and speaking as a previous teacher, I, 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 how do you handle when a question's asked and there's laughter? Like how do you rein that in and handle redeeming that situation because yeah. I'm sure that's embarrassing for a kid when everyone's yeah, laughing. Or... It just depends, I feel like, on the context of the situation because you'll get the class clowns that'll ask yeah. questions and they're looking for laughs right, and they right. love when people laugh. And so yeah. in that situation, and usually it's more of like a lighthearted question. Right. You answer it in a lighthearted way, people might laugh a little bit. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an okay thing too 
to recognize too in these presentations like laughter can be okay right because right. um, what Haley and I learned at this conference we learned about how humor can be used to teach about these difficult um, topics and like there's a right time and a wrong time and when we learn right. exactly when that wrong time is and when you do absolutely do not use humor or laughter in situations like this especially when you're trying to honor survivors and their stories and their experiences um, if there's a question that somebody asks and you know they're looking to not have laughter and they're looking to not be embarrassed I always feel like it's a good reminder to just say you know, I understand that this topic can be uncomfortable, but let's keep in mind that there might be some people in the room that have been affected by things like this, and that's not an okay thing, and that's not a funny thing either. We want to show respect and support to them and create this safe space for them by using respectful words and actions. Yeah. So kind of just giving that reminder. Um, we always talk about on the prevention ed team, sometimes we have to do classroom management. Right. But we never want – I was going to say, if you're a teacher, you're very familiar with that as well. Yeah. Um, but you never want to come in and, like, like lay the law down and be this super strict person, right? right? Because then they're not going to engage with you. They're not going to engage. They're not going to listen. They're not going to be open to the topic. And so there are certain strategies we use where we want to rein everybody in, try to keep control of the classroom, but also, you know, continue to have their respect. And and, um, sometimes that just means giving them a little reminder of, hey, you know, this is a serious topic. I understand we're uncomfortable. Sometimes laughs can happen from that and that's okay, but let's show some respect to the maybe people in the room that have been affected and even those that aren't in the room that have been affected. And that usually really um, shifts the mood a little bit, but not necessarily in a bad way. And I think it really gives kids, especially if they're goofing off a little bit or laughing, um, that understanding of, oh, this is much bigger than I am. Right. You know, this is a really big issue that might affect a lot of other people, even if it hasn't affected me. You know, maybe I should just try to listen a little bit more and engage more. So you find they're pretty receptive to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. They're That's very good. receptive to it. Yeah. Um, do you ever get any pushback from parent groups or anything? Because I oh, know yeah. that can be Yeah, a uh, here and there. And I feel like I can understand that to an extent. Um, I'm not a parent myself, but I can imagine, like, as a parent, like, it's you, you feel a protective urge over your kids. And, yes. Sometimes that means you want to shelter them from some things. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that the curriculum we have is very age appropriate. Mm-hmm. And we always like to lead with that too. You know, when we're in the elementary schools, we don't talk about sex. Right. We don't even say like penis and vagina, right? Like we talk about safe and unsafe touches. We talk about trusted adults. We learn the protect yourself rules, which include both of those things. It includes the shout, run, tell rule. Um, mm. where you like shout no or stop, run away and tell a trusted adult if someone has given you an unsafe touch. We talk about safe and unsafe secrets. We talk about how it doesn't matter who it is. Right. If someone gives us that unsafe touch, we have many trusted adults that we can talk to and we still go tell someone else. Um, in our videos, because we use some videos, I want to say they use the word abuse once or twice. Mm-hmm. And they describe it as, you know, unsafe touches are abuse. Mm-hmm. Hurting someone on purpose is abuse. And right. that's it. So very age appropriate. And that's usually how we phrase it to parents if they're concerned, because it's usually with the younger kids just right. saying, you know, this is meant to be an educational thing. It's approved by fightchildabuse.org. You know, we've had to go through many different channels. Um in the school district as well to have this material approved um, so we know it's age-appropriate and educational mm-hmm. and kind of give them that comfort because usually it stems from like fear, uncertainty, or being like, oh, is this going to affect my kid in a negative Absolutely. way? Is yeah. it going to make them want to do these things? There's re- research showing that when you have these conversations about things, um, you know, like this sexual assault with the middle school and high school or with the younger kids talking about safe and unsafe touches, it doesn't make the kids want to do things more. It just gives them a better understanding of it and it helps them like 
be able to see if that's happening to them or someone else they know and actually put a stop to these things. Like there is research that proves that. And so we like to go that route a little bit too and just say, you know, this is a very safe thing for them to talk about and learn about. And it's only going to protect them further down the road because that is the goal at the end of the day is to help protect the kids and make sure that they know, you know, what to do if an unsafe situation happens to them. And that's how we phrase it to the kids when we're teaching them as well. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you touched base on that and and some of the things that you mentioned and the research that's been done and all of this, because I think it's important for our listeners to know that the goal of this is not to like indoctrinate kids in some way right. or something. It's oh really God, to no. empower them. <laughs> right. And like you just said, I, mean, I couldn't have said it better yeah. myself. So absolutely. Um, so if you let's just say there's somebody out there that's interested in doing an internship with Reach. Yes. What is the best way for them to contact you or what's the process like what should they do absolutely well typically if it's an internship um experience and if you're doing it for like an intern program because most um well at least graduate students it's usually required um some undergrad perhaps as well sometimes going through professors is uh most helpful especially if you're at uwo because they're already in contact with us great um but definitely going through professors you know seeing what kind of requirements you need, you know, what works with your schedule. Because again, just like our volunteers, you know, our interns, we want them to gain a lot from this experience as well. And we're very flexible with them and trying to make whatever we can work for them in their schedule. So checking in with your professors and your program, seeing what your needs you need met. Um, If you're not at UWO where professors may not be as easily in contact with us, you can always reach out to me at Kyleen at reachcounseling.com. You can just send me an email. Okay. How do you spell your first name? K-Y-L-E-N-E. Thank you for that reminder, too, because it's a very uh, unique name. Yeah, I love it, though. It's great. (laughs) Anything else that you would love people to know about you or about Mm -hmm. Reach in general? Anything you'd like to share? Any advice you'd like to give? Any advice? To people maybe out there that is, you know, maybe they're a survivor and they haven't reached out to someone yet. What advice would you give? Mm. Definitely that your story is worth sharing. Mm. Um, You know, that you are not just a victim, you are a survivor, and there is a lot of power in that. Um, I'm working with a a client right now and, you know, trying to make clear to them, you know, this isn't your fault. It's never your fault. Whether you weren't able to understand the social cues that were going on that led to a grooming situation, Mm. um, whether you were coerced, um, you know, a relationship coercion or a sexual coercion, and you think to yourself, like, I should have been able to see that happening. Or, or I did this, or I was drinking, or I was wearing these clothes, or I said this. None of that matters. It is never your fault, and it doesn't matter who did it to you. Please talk to someone you trust, and you can always reach out to us here at Reach Counseling. Awesome. Yeah. Wow, I should make that bit into our new commercial. <laughs> that, that was great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, do, I do speak occasionally, you know. Yes, Wisconsin, you can so. tell. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Kylene. Yeah, and I know you. you're super busy, but um, I hope that people out there that are listening will be encouraged to reach out in some way, whether it is to volunteer yes, or to get an absolutely. advocate if yes. they're a survivor. Um, but yeah. I hope we connect with people, and I'm sure we will because of your words. So thank you. Thank you so much. Every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. You are not alone. Reach Counseling is here to help, and we're expanding our reach. Since 1976, we have offered our services throughout Winnebago County. We are pleased to now offer our services in Outagamie and Calumet counties as well. REACH Counseling is a sexual assault service provider for children and adults that offers culturally responsive outreach, prevention education, victim advocacy, 
trauma counseling, and sex offender treatment. As an anti-violence agency, we strive to heal lives and transform communities. Call our 24-7 helpline anytime at 920-722-8150. For more information, visit us at reachcounseling.com.